scripture reading for today is Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. If you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) It may be seated. Well, good morning. (laughs) Um, I am so looking forward to the baptisms, although I do wish it was a little warmer out. (laughs) Um, My name's Fred, and I'm part of the team here at Christ City in Kitts, and uh, I just want to warmly welcome you as we celebrate Easter Sunday together. If you're a visitor with us, thank you for joining with us today. Um, Thank you for celebrating our first year anniversary of a church plant in Kitts. Uh, Amen. Amen. Um, Now, traditionally, um, an Easter Sunday message is taken from one of the four Gospels. Uh, Traditionally, what happens is we look at one of the gospel accounts that looks at the historical event of Jesus' bodily resurrection. And that's traditionally what we do. Um, But this morning, I want to do something a little bit different with you. This morning, I want to look at um, what the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what that historical event means for all those who believe. So this is very much a message for us today, for you sitting right here right now, to understand what are the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as you sit here, as you leave from here this morning, and as you go uh, uh, throughout your week. What are the implications of the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? He's reigning at the right hand of God, like we just sang. So we're going to look at God's word this morning. But before we do that, let me invite you to pray with me, please. Our Father in heaven, I pray that uh, this morning we would remember that Jesus Christ was lifted up on a cross. But not only that, he was lifted up from the grave. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit this morning, you would help me lift up Jesus Christ so that he would reign in the hearts of all those who are gathered here, all of those who hear this word, that it would be life and hope, and forgiveness in your power and by your Spirit, through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, I have three points this morning from the passage that Sarah just read for us. And they are, we are raised with Christ. We, we have been raised with Christ. We are seated with Christ or we are hidden with Christ. And we will appear with Christ. So those are my three points. Let me give them to you again. 
We have been raised with Christ. We are hidden with Christ. And we will appear with Christ. Now, in that outline, I'm sure you can hear there's three distinct tenses, past, present, and future. We're looking at what has happened, what is happening right now, and what will happen. So let's begin by looking up at what has happened. We were raised with Christ. And this is my longest point this morning. Look with me at verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Now, before we can really get into the meat of this text, we need to pause just for a moment to realize something that we we often just glance over. We don't think much about, but we need to realize, we need to remember that this book, the book of Colossians that we're reading from this morning, is written to Christians. It's written to people who believe the good news. People who believe the gospel message about Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a guest with us this morning, perhaps somebody dragged you along and you don't know really what you're doing here. It's okay, I understand. I was there once myself. And, and so you might be asking yourself, what is this good news? What is this message of the gospel? I'm glad you asked. Now, at the risk of stating the obvious, this is how deep we go here, at the risk of stating the obvious, the good news is news. See? Very deep stuff. The good news is news. The good news is not good advice. The good news is a message from God concerning the life, the death, and the resurrection of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is news, it is a report from God about what Christ has done for us. You see, through Jesus' complete obedience to His Father, He lived the life that all of us have failed to live. And through His death on the cross, through His crucifixion, He died the death that all of us deserve to die. You see, when when Christ was crucified on the cross, He was not being punished for His own sins. He was being punished for our sins. As Isaiah 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And then, that's His death, That's what we remembered together. That's what we celebrated together on Good Friday at the Stanley Theater. That was an amazing time together. We, I think, have already booked the theater for next year. Um, 
But, but, but when he died, it's followed by Easter Sunday. And, and, and then on that very first Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. He rose bodily from the dead. As Jesus stepped forth from the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning, he was a conqueror. He had conquered, he had defeated forever the power of Satan, sin, and death. That is the good news. That, what I've just briefly summarized for you, that is the good news. That is the gospel. It's a message from God for all of humanity to hear. And it's a message from God that demands a response from us. It's a message from God this morning that demands a response from each and every one of us. Those who reject the message remain under the power of Satan, sin, and death. But those who believe, those who embrace the message of Jesus Christ, those who turn from their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... They are completely forgiven. They are completely forgiven. They are forever reconciled to God. They are adopted into God's family. They are given new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are made citizens of heaven. All of these blessings, all of these blessings and so much more come to us as a free gift through our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer, let me encourage you to lean in and take this message about Jesus, this good news about Jesus, let me encourage you to take it very seriously. God, this morning, is calling you out of darkness and into the marvelous light of His love and His grace. That's what He is doing this morning. He is speaking to you. And, and the Bible goes out of its way to stress that this is, this is a gift from God. This is not something that any one of us can, can be good enough to earn from God. This comes to us as a free gift. So we must be humble enough to accept it. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, Colossians is written to Christians. It's written to people who believe and embrace and treasure this truth about Jesus Christ, this good news that I've been sharing. And so, let's look again now at Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Paul writes, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So here is Paul's description of a Christian. Right here in Colossians 3, Paul describes Christians as those who have been raised with Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning, 
That's who you are. You have been raised with Christ. Now, I don't know how many of you have given this a lot of thought, but if you are a believer this morning, this is speaking to you and about you. This is who you are. You are raised up with him. This is so important. I hope I have your attention this morning because this can change your life. Think about it. The eternal Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, became the man, Jesus Christ, to fully share in our humanity and to die for our sin on the cross. And now, through our faith and by the working of God's Spirit, we are united forever to Him. We have union with Christ. And here's what that means. Here's what that means for you sitting here this morning. Through your union with Christ, you have fully participated in Christ's death, His life, His death, and His resurrection. You have fully participated Whatever is true of Jesus Christ is also true of you this morning. Paul emphasizes this point earlier on in Colossians. In chapter 2, verse 12, here's what he writes. He says, You were raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Let it hit you. This is, the, this is the amazing truth that is, is symbolized through baptism. Baptism is an outward symbol that points to an inward spiritual reality. And so in Romans 6, we read this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, there's that into language, all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Because of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, because the Holy Spirit has united you together with Christ by faith, you have died with Him in His death, and you have been raised to new life with Him in His resurrection. Now, once your eyes are open to this, once your eyes are open to this teaching in the Bible about our union with Christ by faith through the Holy Spirit, you begin to see it everywhere in the New Testament. For example, if you look at Paul's writings, he uses that language of in Christ or with Christ or something like that over 160 times in his letters alone. So here's the thing. If we are going to fully appreciate the richness of our Christian identity, we've got to get a handle on our union with Christ. That's crucial. So back 
in Colossians 3.1, Paul says that we have been raised with Christ, and then he begins to tease that out. What does that mean for us? If we have been raised with Christ, if you're a Christian and that's who you are, what does that mean for us this morning? Well, look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, Set your minds... Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. After Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he ministered to the disciples for 40 days. And the book of Acts tells us that he then ascended to his heavenly father. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus right now, that Jesus is presently seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he reigns over all things in heaven and on earth. That's where Jesus is presently. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, Because of our union with Christ by the Holy Spirit, we too are seated with Christ on high. So Paul says in Ephesians 2, God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here it is raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what you need to know this morning. Even though you are sitting here in this theater, you are actually, and much more importantly, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You and I, through our faith in Christ, are right now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Let me phrase it up a little differently for you. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. That's what this means for us. That's why Paul encourages us to seek the things that are above. That's why he says, set your mind on the things that are above. You see, if our minds are focused predominantly on the things of this world and of this age, we will not, you will not have a proper perspective. If our minds are focused on the here and the now, and what we have, what we can get, what we can buy, where we can live, where we can go on vacation. If our lives are focused entirely or predominantly on those things, we will not see anything the way that Christ sees it. Or to put it another way, we will not be thinking biblically or Christianly about our lives. Now Paul makes this exact same point, but he uses a little different language over in Romans chapter 12. In verse 2, 
He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Here's the thing. Transformed living flows out of renewed thinking. If you, if you don't have renewed thinking, if your mind is not being transformed, if it's not being set on the things that are above, you will not live in a way, you will not walk out your life in a way that brings glory to God. And so if you're raised up with Him, if you're a Christian this morning, if your hope is in Jesus Christ, you're raised up with Him, think about the things that are above. Set your mind there where He is. We need renewed thinking about absolutely everything. You know, some people accuse Christians sometimes of being so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But, but let me tell you, if we were to study, seriously study, church history, we would actually find that it is only those who were the most heavenly minded that did the greatest good in this world. Now, ever since the first manned space missions... Returning astronauts have reported again and again that they come back with an entirely different view of the world. They come back from being in outer space and orbiting around the planet at 17,000 kilometers an hour. They come back and they look at the world in an entirely different way because they've seen the planet against that seemingly infinite backdrop of space. Now, there's a name for this. It's a phenomenon called the overview effect. And I, this week I read some accounts of astronauts that are describing this overview effect. And when they describe it, very, very often they use religious language. So one of them called it a metaphysical epiphany. Another described it as a spiritual experience that gave them a better understanding of the word awe. Dr. Andrew Newberg, who has spent years studying the overview effect, he says that the lasting effects of space travel produces a shift in worldview. Now, those of us who are raised up with Christ, I would suggest to you this morning that we need a similar overview effect in the way that we look at everything. We need a dramatic shift, a transformation in the way that we understand the world, in the way that we look at life, the universe, and everything, to quote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Here's the thing. If you're a Christian, if you are raised up with Christ, your heart needs to be captured. It needs to be captured by a vision of God and His glory. So that even the most mundane everyday, ordinary aspects of your life are illuminated 
by Christ's lordship and love. That's what you need this morning if you're a believer. This isn't for super spiritual Christians. This is for all of us. We all need this. And that brings me to my second point. We are hidden with Christ. In verse 3, Paul says that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I think this might be my favorite verse in the book of Colossians. It's just mind-blowing. Not only are you raised up with Christ and seated with Him, but your life is hidden with Christ in God. It just gets better. If you're a Christian this morning, your life is no longer your life. You have died. You have died with Christ to your old life. And now through your union with Him by the Holy Spirit, your life is hidden with Him in God. Now one reason, one reason so many Christians live very weak, very shallow, very defeated lives is is they do not cultivate the spiritual confidence that comes from knowing who they are in Christ. What is your position in Christ? This is, this is something that we need to drill down on, to meditate on, to pray over, to, to wait until our hearts by the Holy Spirit as we read God's Word is awakened to is captured by a vision of God and His glory. Because this is our reality. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Now to live, to live without Christ, to live without Christ is to live a life that is totally exposed and vulnerable and ultimately precarious. Now, perhaps, perhaps if you're, if you're young enough and you're healthy enough and you're popular enough and you're rich enough and you're good-looking enough and you're talented enough, perhaps you feel pretty secure. Just wait. Just wait. Just give it some time. And sooner or later, sooner or later, life will catch up with you and expose you to the harsh realities of Satan, sin, and death. Now, Christians are not immune from those realities. Christians experience those harsh realities. But here's the good news. We do not face them alone. We do not face the harsh realities of life alone. Why? Because our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We draw our grace. We draw our strength. We draw our hope from a source that the world does not know and cannot see. It's... it's, it's, It's like a beautiful flower. 
love the springtime. The flowers are coming out. It's like, it's like a beautiful flower. And the root system of that flower is concealed beneath the ground. See, Christians draw their strength from their hidden fellowship with the living God. And that's what gives us grace to go through and to persevere through the harsh realities that all human beings face sooner or later. Now, some people talk about a relationship with God. They talk about knowing God and having a relationship with God, but they don't think they need Jesus Christ. They may say something like that they are, they are spiritual, but they don't have any time for, or they ignore, or they dismiss this good news concerning Christ. But here in Colossians 3 and everywhere else in the Bible, we see that the only life that can be found in God is with Christ, through Christ. You cannot have life with God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus himself told us that in John 14, 6. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. See, through the Son, through Jesus Christ, by our faith in Him, as I preached on Friday, we have full access to the Holy God. The way into His glorious presence is opened up once for all because of His death and resurrection. And the God that the people think they know apart from Jesus Christ, and I don't mean this to be an insult, I mean this as a warning. The God that people think they know apart from the Lord Jesus Christ is a God which is, is just invented in their own imagination. That brings me to the third and final point. We will appear with Christ. Look at verse 4 with me. Paul writes, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So what does it mean this morning? What does it mean that Christ is your life? And what does he mean by saying that we also will appear with him in glory? What can we expect when he returns at the end of the age? Let's just take a few minutes to try and answer both of those important questions. First, what does it mean that Christ is our life? Well, to begin with, um, nobody at all has any life apart from Jesus Christ. And that is true of every last one of us, believer and non-believer. And I say that because Hebrews 1.3 teaches that right now, Jesus Christ is personally sustaining everything in the universe by his word. Jesus, whether people know it or not, acknowledge it or not, they owe their life to Him. He is personally, by His will and by His Word, sustaining every molecule in the universe. Acts 17.25 says that He gives to all of mankind life and breath and everything. Now, 
But beyond our physical life, beyond just our, our physical existence, Christ is also the one who has, as we've looked at already, made us alive together with God through our faith in Him. Here's what Sam Storms writes. The Christian simply cannot conceive of life in any meaningful way separable from the indwelling, energizing, loving presence of the Lord Jesus. The believer's personal identity is so inextricably wrapped up in who Christ is and what he has accomplished that it simply makes no sense to speak or even conceive of me independently of him. So if you are a Christian this morning, here's what that means. It means that we must, by all the grace that God gives us, we must renounce and vehemently resist this soul-destroying illusion of autonomous individualism that is so popularized by our culture, that's so promoted by our culture. That's what it means that Christ is your life. Second, what are we to expect when Christ returns? Look at with me. Paul says, when Christ appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. Now, we all tend to focus on the here and the now. But if you read your Bible carefully, you'll notice that it's, it is oriented toward the future. It is oriented toward the age to come. It is radically future-oriented into eternity. And this truth that we will appear with Him in glory when He appears, it has to whet the spiritual appetite of every believer. Paul is not saying here that when he returns, we will be mere spectators, like you know, sitting around a, a, a great coliseum for the, the arrival of Jesus, the way these guys sort of you know, uh, parachute into the Super Bowl game and land in the middle of the field. That's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying is that we will experience this. We will share in the glory that will be fully and finally unveiled at the end of the age, at the second coming of Jesus Christ. This has to whet our appetites. This has to arouse our faith. Why? Because our treasure is not ultimately in this world. The meaning of our lives is not ultimately found in this age. If it is, Paul says, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, a Christian is a person who is longing for and looking to the return of Christ and the renewal of all things, the new heavens and the new earth, the fullness of His kingdom. It's very hard to describe what is going to be something that will completely transform everything in a way that we can hardly imagine. And one way I, I can 
leave you with to try and appreciate the meaning of what it will be like to share in his glory when he appears at the end of the age is to contrast it with with all the pains, all the sorrows, all the suffering that this world goes through. Paul looks to that great day when Christ will return and he writes about the terrible sufferings of this life. And do you know how he talks about them? He says that they are slight. They are slight and momentary afflictions that are not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory that is going to be revealed. Let that hit you. Whatever trials and, and difficulties and troubles and suffering you might be walking through. Let this hit you in light of eternity. Whatever we experience, the worst that we experience in this life, Paul says, it's a light and it's a momentary affliction. Why? Because it's not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory that will be revealed to us all when Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, returns. Let's pray. Lord, we long for the day when the hidden source of our hope and our strength will be finally and fully revealed. And you will step over the horizon of history and of this creation and make your majesty, authority, dominion, and power completely clear to everyone. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.